Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 29. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what's going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? This is your host, Eric Cacciatore, and this is the podcast for people in the restaurant industry just looking to get better and grow personally and to find out what's out there and to learn from the industry's best restaurant professionals. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm loving every second of it. Um, so sorry, it's been about a week since my last episode, but I was out in Chicago at the NRA trade show and it was such a blast. I learned so much and I met some incredible people, hopefully some people that will be on the show soon. Uh, so since it's getting late in the week, what I'll be doing is uh, three shows today, tomorrow, which is Friday and Saturday. And hopefully tomorrow's show and Saturday show will be just kind of a a recap on some of the cool seminars I went I went to and sat through during the uh, trade show over in Chicago. Uh, some cool, great stuff I wanted to share with you. So tune in later in the week, uh, tomorrow and Saturday to hear that. But today is Thursday, and I have a great episode. It's Authority Thursday, and um, yeah, you're going to want to stick around for this one. Our friend uh, really gives us some great advice on how to uh, maximize your profitability and efficiency uh, with your bar. So, uh, I won't say any more. I'll just let you listen. And, uh, here it is. Have fun. All right. With excitement, please allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Rick Usabel. How you doing, Rick? Oh, good. Thank you, Eric. All right. Awesome. Rick is the president of Cabaret Design Group, and he has been designing bars and nightclubs for over 10 years. He also blogs at CabaretDesigners.com, and I've just given a little bit of a background, but Rick, why don't you elaborate and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Thanks, Eric. Well, bar design has been a long-time passion of mine. Bars actually are a very complex uh, animal. There's really many, many factors that contribute to the overall success of a bar, not the least of which, I mean, and I'm talking not the location of the facility itself, whether it be a nightclub or a restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, but but where the bar is, uh, the bar itself that's inside the facility. Exactly. Um, and so mm-hmm. the um, um, bars really start uh, basically with uh, you know this is a dynamic because and and all and even if you uh, go into uh, facilities uh, that have that serve food such as restaurants. Uh, the bar is actually the the, the largest uh, profit center in the uh, in the building. Exactly. Uh, without yes. without mistake, I mean, it's no secret in the in the industry or among industry professionals that all the money that's made in the bar in the uh, in the restaurant business is made um, on the uh, bar site. Absolutely, so, which is why it's so important that we have to try to make it as efficient and productive as possible. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's so many things that go into it, you know. Yeah. And it's always been sort of like, I guess it's the engineer in me who, uh, when I first sort of became in, uh, involved in nightclub design, I you know, always had a keen interest in just knowing exactly what, what goes on behind that bar, you know, mm-hmm. how they make those drinks, how they prepare it, 
Uh, I mean, there uh, there's uh, many things that that go that factor into all all the overall success. And we'll discuss all those factors. But before we do, I just have one question for you. And that question is, are you ready to drop some invaluable advice on us that's going to make our restaurant dreams unstoppable? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll be glad to help anybody in the restaurant and uh, bar business to uh, help them achieve their, their goals of, of, you know, selling more liquor and doing it efficiently. Awesome. And I just want to give a quick, uh, you know, precursor. What we're going to be talking about today is uh, the top five factors that make your bar uh, more profitable. And the first factor we're going to talk about is the wow factor. So tell us a little bit sure. more. What is the wow factor? Well, I guess we've all been to places that are exciting, you know, right? I mean, yeah. there's there's uh, the goal in the, in the hospitality uh, sector in this in this area is to try to make a uh, make the environment captivating, so people kind of uh, a they feel comfortable and be uh, in, in intimate. They feel like they can have a conversation. That's they like the excitement of being around it, mm-hmm. and they, they kind of take ownership of it. Mm-hmm. And so all these things, and it's all sort of, uh, it all goes down to pure design. And just exactly how does the bar look physically? How does the bar, uh, what's the appeal of it? Mm-hmm. In other words, when you walk in the front door of a place and you see the bar, it should just kind of scream out at you. You know, you it's the place, and in fact, and normally we'll even have, in many operations, we'll have more than one bar. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other su- subject by itself. But there's reasons why we have more than one bar. And um, so the basic design becomes sort of like uh, uh, what that's what keeps the client base in, in the building and makes them feel comfortable. I was just going to say, um, so basically when we're talking about the WOW factor, really what we're saying is we're talking about the ambiance and how we have to uh, – uh, kind of match the uh, what we're trying to the the image and the concept we're trying to go for with our target yeah. market and there's, there's so right. many yeah there's so many different variables that come into play um, and I don't I don't know where you're going but do you just want to uh, give us like a some of the top factors that go into kind of matching the concept with with the the target market is there anything like that you want to drop on us well you know I think there's there's basically a couple different approaches to this um, you have uh, it depends on the it depends on the demographic uh, price wise you know, I guess mm-hmm. the price point where the where the club is trained to compete or the restaurant um, you know you have you have the sort of like the neighborhood type look that is more what you'll find like at uh, uh, Chili's or yeah, one of those kind of places you know yeah. yeah you know that's that's not really the kind of bar design we we specialize in. Oh, they're cozy, and and it's, that's even what I like about those places is that normally when you see the bars when you walk in, they feel cozy. Uh, you know, they do have that that sort of instant. Uh, you can instantly identify with them. And typically, we've been we've been uh, catering to a, a, a more upscale type uh, um, club, okay. and where our bars tend to be a lot of. Um, they tend to be uh, have a lot of millwork in them uh, mm-hmm. that would remind be more reminiscent of what you call a cigar bar look, or okay. you know a sort of a traditional uh, leather chair type atmosphere where maybe you can go sit there for hours and feel yeah. like you're right at home in your living room. You might say, you know, yeah. 
and I'm sure we could talk all day about the different factors and variables that come into play to create that big picture. And really, to sum it all up, and I'll, I would say, I would think you would agree with me. It's just attention to detail, really. Um, would you say that's really where it comes into play? It's, it's detail. It's all detail. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. If you could, if you could nail it down to one one factor, it's detail. Exactly. And people love detail. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's people uh, it's who have nice homes even don't have don't have uh, you know amenities in their home that look anything like these bars I'm describing. Yeah. But, you know, they want to be able to get that, you know, that sense of escape and uh, that cool experience, and they can only get that. So that's why you have to pay attention to all these little details. But um, here at Restaurant Unstoppable, we want to know how to work more productively and more efficiently and to maximize that uh, that margin. So we're going to move on to the next uh, mm-hmm. factor, which is uh, ergonomic design. Let's talk about how big ergonomic design comes into effect when uh, designing a bar. Well, Eric, ergonomics is... Uh is probably as critical of a of an element uh, to the overall functionality of the of the bar as anything else. Um, the uh, uh, what happens is uh, we're we're talking about the actual setting up the equipment in the bar so that and the and even the bar itself so that um, we. Uh, so that the bartenders and, and the, the staff, all the staff for that matter, can operate within that space and feel like they're not killing themselves to get their jobs done. Mm-hmm. So in yeah. other words, it, and, it, and, it's, and it actually goes to uh, f- factors in many things. It's, mm-hmm. it's the height of the bar. It's, it's, the, it's the space of the aisle that the bartender stands in, uh, where, how far they have to reach or bend over to get glassware. Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, liquor, uh, or even even something so simple as ringing in the sale on the on the on what we call the POS system. Yeah. Um, and where that's located. So exactly. We we have walking distances that we try to to um, minimize so that they're not so that the bar so the bar staff is working as efficiently as possible while they're doing a repeated task for hours and they're not getting worn down because their back starts hurting mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. See, what are the, if you could break it down to maybe three of the, the most simple things you can do to make your uh, bar more ergonomic friendly uh, in like one to two sentences, sentences for uh, each thing, what would they be? Well, the three things I guess you would uh, go for, uh, especially is, is the, Height of the bar needs to be as close to 42 inches as possible. Okay. Uh, the bar, uh, uh, the aisle width wants to be from, you want a clear aisle width of generally three feet. Okay. Uh, for, from, for the bartender to walk through. Okay. And uh, in a walking distance of no more than five feet in any direction. So that we have what we call stations, and you may notice or may not notice, but uh, someone who really kind of looks for these kind of things, like I do, uh, every place I go into, I'm always curious yeah. how everybody's bar is set up. The first thing I do is I sit there and I start looking at their equipment yeah. and watching how the bartenders are moving. You know. Oh yeah. And and so uh, you really want to, and actually, believe it or not, everything in the bar is repeated. If it's more than if it's if it's more than say, if it's more than one bartender. And, and then we have, if it's two bartenders, it's what we call two stations. 
and um, and the equipment is basically repeated in yeah. each 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 area, so it's so that each bartender is working in similar movements, but they're not crossing paths. That's yeah, it's really so important. that's really the idea there. Yeah, and um, so you know what's really important to to us here at Restaurant Estoppel, something that that comes up a lot is um, we as managers and owners need to constantly be thinking about how uh, we can be serving our workers. And it starts from the very beginning when you're designing these bars. How can I design this to make my employees uh, as happy as possible, as comfortable as possible? Um, and, you know, it, it comes down to just being hospitable towards uh, not only your guests, but to your employees. And it starts from the very beginning when you start designing these things. If you if you take your employee into mind and you make sure they're working effectively and um as little you know wear and tear on their bodies as possible. At the end of the day, they're going to be much happier, and they're going to be able to work longer shifts, and uh, it, it's just going to make for an overall more positive atmosphere to work in. So all these things oh, are super sure. important in the big picture. Um, well, not only that, Eric, but uh, the thing you have to know too, or to think about, is and you're you're really kind of touching on it, is that when these people are working together, you you don't want them at each other's throats. Exactly. Because- Pretty soon, everybody gets agitated because they're just uh, they're kind of like pushing themselves to their physical limitations, and their back is hurting, and mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, and so you you, you become um, you have to become sensitive to what your to the way the whole thing is arranged. Yeah, That's and I'm going to provide provide you with the opportunity at the end of the show to kind of give your contact information. So if anybody wants to connect with you, and you know, you can give them more information on the little things you can do to be more ergonomic friendly. But uh, for the sake of time, we're going to move on to the next factor. Let's talk about the productive design factor. Yeah. Okay. So we want to achieve maximum efficiency in the process uh, that we were just uh, alluding to a moment ago. So when your equipment is arranged physically, there's a flow to it. Uh, and without getting into too much of that uh, specifically, uh, we what we do is um, uh, we set the bar up and design it so that the underbar, which is the part where you're sitting at the bar stool, mm-hmm. it's the part that's right in front of you underneath the bar. So that's the equipment where you're you're actually where most of the activity is occurring. Yeah. that's called the underbar. Okay. So we we make sure that the underbar and the back bar equipment, the stuff along the wall and the, behind the bartender, is strategically located. Um, and the the process of of drink making uh, is be, is basically becomes a function of flow and glassware. The entire process really needs to have a proper uh, flow of arrangement so that it goes uh, from left to right and the drink is made in a, in a systematic fashion, you see. Okay. So um, where we place the, uh, the POS uh, and the beer taps, yeah. for instance, uh, where we locate that equipment, uh, again, we try to keep the uh, everything in a in a place where it makes sense. So we don't put the POS. We don't try to ring the sail up. Um, and and oftentimes you'll see this uh, really. Um, and and there's sort of divided schools on this. But oftentimes people will put the POS, the cash register, the cash drawer. Uh, they'll put the POS behind the bar uh, on the back wall, and uh, and some people might like that as a, uh, uh, they think it's more convenient for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well, studies show that it isn't, it isn't really that, that's not really the way. Mm-hmm. The, the, the way is to keep everything in front of the bartender looking at you 
and and as he's moving, he or she are moving through the through the process, you know. Yeah, absolutely, it makes sense. I mean, why would you waste those steps when you can just side pivot or just even pivot your body a little bit and work from right there? Mm-hmm. Just, to me, it makes complete sense. Um, Correct. Yeah. Are, are there any other um, important factors we want to bring up about production before we move oh, on? Oh, sure, uh, sure. Go yeah, ahead. thanks. The uh, there are uh, systems in place that can make the production or productivity of the bar uh, really uh, max, maximized. Okay. And a couple of those examples would be uh, liquor control systems okay. uh, where the liquor is dispensed through guns. And, and I know that some, some people have a negative uh, view on that, but in reality, it's, uh, uh, if it's done properly, uh, people, the, the patrons won't even know it because most patrons aren't even watching a bartender when he's making a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have what we call uh, uh, the uh, ethylene glycol uh, beer system, so uh, which which uh, enable the owner of the uh, or of the you know of the of the bar to serve beer at a colder at a colder a range of temperatures. Okay. Uh, what happens is is that beer is it, it's ideally served between 34 and 38 degrees. 32 is still okay, um, but the in, the colder the better because as beer gets a little bit warmer, what happens is it gets foamier. Yeah. And with that comes waste. And uh, uh, although tap beer, and this is what we're talking about, tap beer. Yeah. Although tap beer is extremely profitable for a bar. Yeah. It becomes uh, the, the profits start going down the drain because the first thing you'll notice in many instances, and I'm sure you've seen this, Eric, uh, you go to a place and uh, the bartender pours about eight ounces yeah. of foam. <laughs> yeah, I do see that. And I wonder sometimes, I'm like, oh, like you, just, you can hear the pennies hitting the floor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, this isn't, it's not supposed to be done that way. And yeah. there's ways, there's ways around that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, and, and, and in reality, uh, patrons like the beer colder anyway, within a range. So um, those are just some examples of, of um, how, we, uh, how we handle the, the productivity aspects of, the, of what goes on behind the bar. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, so far we've covered uh, the wow factor, talking about ambiance, uh, ergonomics, so your uh, employees are working and being happy and not going home or hunched over in pain. Uh, and then also we just hit productivity. What's the next factor of the five factors you have? Well, we have what, what's called um, procedures uh, uh, and uh, operations is really what gets you the category it would fall under. Okay. Um, and these are all, and people who watch uh, Bar Rescue and, and uh, see our good friend uh, and industry expert, John Taffer, uh, uh, you'll you'll notice uh, uh, many of these things being discussed uh, on the show. Uh, specifically, it gets down into how do you really uh, what is it that how do you really manage the bar? Uh, mm-hmm. So you have uh, you have the beautiful bar set up. All your bottles are back there. Everything's illuminated and and ready to go. And the bartenders are working efficiently within their spaces. Yeah. But you know how do they actually perform their jobs? You know, so um, we work with clients to uh, uh, help assist them with the operation side of, uh, of uh, you know, how to how to the how to type of thing, yeah. which uh, you know relates to uh, why they why they don't necessarily why you 
don't want your bartenders overpouring, for mm-hmm. instance, uh, for better tips. Uh, in in a way, are you talking about like an operations manual where you like yeah. you spell out like in in there's no way you can be too detailed how things are supposed to be done. So yeah, there's no question. Correct. Okay, yeah, and um, it reminds me of an episode that just came out last week, and I, I'm talking about uh, if, if you've met if you've read E Myth. Um, basically, one of the biggest things is you need operation uh, procedures just put in place so people are. Yeah doing everything the right way consistently so you can be out of the picture and know that it's still happening the right way all the time. Um, do you want to elaborate a little more on that? Yeah. Well, uh, certainly, and that's, that's actually the key uh, to a successfully run bar. One that's going to run profitably is that, um, and that's the goal, right, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's a lot of uh a lot of money changing hands at a bar, and uh, you know it does. You don't want it being. Uh, although there's the, the liquor business is a, is a profitable one, mm-hmm. um, there are many things that go into uh, helping it, uh, ensure that the owner maintains maximum profits. Yeah, and of it, it, it goes down to these procedures, uh, and the, the, just to you know, uh, first and foremost, the, the most important thing. Uh, to a bar owner is what we call drink standardization. Mm-hmm. And that means that uh, consistently poor drinks are of the utmost importance. And in fact, uh, John Taffer himself uh, subscribes to that philosophy. Uh, it is the uh, pat- patrons will return when, when the drinks are made consistently over and over. Uh, and I think the one example uh, we can all relate to is you know, you go to, say, your favorite little uh, Mexican restaurant that has a bar, and you'll hear these people sitting there who just rave about the way the margaritas are made. Yeah. Right? I mean, everybody, everybody knows where the good where, where to go to good mar- to get a good margarita, correct? Yeah. Um, well, you asked well, me. Or... Yeah, I mean, and that's that's exactly what I'm. What this is all about because <laughs> it's called standardization. Yeah. And so they're making a good margarita, but they're making it the same way all the time. That's the key. So when people, when you have standardization within your drinks, then you you do start to build a greater uh, trust factor with the clients uh, coming in the door, and things that relate all that to that. It goes down to uh, pouring, uh, setting up pouring programs, mm-hmm. uh, and as far as testing, and um, you know, so the, all these management type things need to be need to be uh, established within what we call a procedures manual. Mm-hmm. And then the procedures manual is taught uh, sort of like going to church, you know. They uh, they have, you know, successfully run nightclubs and bars, have weekly staff meetings, and they, they're constantly training new, new employees and, uh, and reinforcing the values of, uh, of what, of their, of their well-written uh, documents that they try to um, that they try to keep repeating all the time. Absolutely, That's really what procedures become. Yeah, you, you really can't stress the importance. And um, the, the analogy I like to use: um, I'm a huge fan of setting the table by uh, Danny Myers. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but in that book, he discusses you know the whole concept. What he means by setting the table is um, it's your job as the owner or the manager or supervisor to put everything back in place where it belongs. And you can't put things back in place 
if you don't have it clearly stated where those things belong in the first place. And that's what the operations manual does. It gets everybody on the same page so there is a correct way, there's only one way to do it. And then your job as the manager, after you build these systems, is to make sure that you're keeping everything where it's supposed to be and reinforcing those systems. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can remove yourself from the big picture and do the things like uh, being innovative and coming up with and looking to see what technologies are out there to be more productive and constantly trying to challenge yourself and improve upon your systems and operations. And then you update your operations manual. Um, yeah. But you need to first be able to remove yourself by having these systems in place. Yeah, well, you can start to, you can begin to see the, uh, just how complex all this oh, is yeah. from what we discussed so far, you know, and we're yeah. not even. We're not even to the critical part. I know. <laughs> Maybe we should do a separate episode for each one of these bullets. But so, no, that's uh, all right. yeah. Uh, the the next uh, and final uh, of the fa- the five factors we're going to be discussing today is uh, inventory control. We kind of already touched a little bit on that, but uh, why don't you just drive it home for us? Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, inventory control is really the uh, it's it's uh, it's a thing. It's a important unto itself is all the things we just discussed because if you have the first four things in place and you don't have control of your inventory um, then you basically you're not going to make a lot of money and as a bar owner uh, and uh, inventory though becomes a very tricky animal because it's a um, it appears it's it appears that you're making money uh, you're making a lot of money even when you may not be making the maximum amount. Now, I'll just explain that for a moment. Um, I guess we can all, we all relate to some place we've been in our hometowns where mm-hmm. it's a local bar that is run uh, very successfully by a very uh, shrewd operator, uh, owner-operator who runs the place and everybody respects them. And, uh, but the, the thing that actually is perplexing about it is this is that uh, industry statistics have proven, um, and I had this from very reliable sources, that 85% or or more of bars everywhere are losing 20% of their inventory. Mm -hmm. And and even a small small volume operation, which might do, say, 5,000 a week at the bar, in other words, what they're, they're if they don't have inventory controls that have been effectively um, uh, set up and managed, they're losing a thousand dollars a week. Oh, yeah, and with a, an industry with such a little margins, every penny counts. So, uh, well, they're making a large margin on the bar. Yeah. That's where the money's made. See, mm-hmm. and and that's where I think where the where they're mis, where the point is misunderstood, is because the bar the bar owners are making a lot of money, uh, and yet. They think they're doing extremely well because they're driving new cars every year and going on vacation every year. Yeah, but it's but they're not really looking far enough below the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happens is this: is that it's just I guess they can explain it this way. Um, the problem is is not, not the fact that they serve uh, you know like it could be a shot in a beer type place, but you know the majority of places that serve alcohol serve multi-portion cocktails and oftentimes they also serve what they call batch recipes which would be uh, margaritas uh, Long Island iced teas okay. things that they've got sitting in a batch machine yeah. in the back of the bar right so the, the, the problem is this is that even though if they have a POS system in, in the 
facility, the POS system doesn't perform their inventory. It only tells them what they've sold. Okay. It doesn't tell them what they're missing, and that's the key. Okay. Because if they if they were doing an effectively managed inventory system like the type that my good friends at Bevanco uh, provide, uh, what what actually happens is to get to a um, to get really get to the root of things. Uh, the problem. I'll just back up one step. Part of the problem that the bar owner has is he doesn't really know ideally what he should have sold mm -hmm. uh, as far as how much money should he have taken into the cash register. He knows what the what the cash register tells him, the POS. Yeah. But he doesn't know ideally how much it should have been. And uh, and what happens is there's spillage, mm -hmm. right? There's because uh, uh, if they're pouring the liquor freely from a you know. Uh, into a glass or a, or a jigger, yeah, it uh, and they're not measuring it, and blah blah blah, and they're giving free drinks away, mm -hmm. as we all know these bartenders can do. What happens is is that through the course of even just a sh one one short week, uh, they may have served up a number of different kinds of martinis, to other types of multi-portion cocktails that have three or four or five liquors in them, like a Long Island iced tea, okay. and all this stuff. So. What happens is at the end of a week, even they might know they've sold twenty, twenty, uh, let's say margaritas and fifteen Long Islands and all that stuff. But now they're selling; it's, it's composed of liquor that's sold at different price points. So you have maybe five levels of price points on even on, within your vodka range. Yeah. Okay. So what happens is very simply they don't really understand how much they really should have sold. All they know is what that cash register tape tells them. Okay. So what happens is there's a system that's set up that's that's offered, uh, it's a service that's offered by a really great company called Bev & Co. And uh, they, what they do is they have local dealers that service uh, every local area of the United States and even throughout the world. And they come in, they set up a, a program which is which is run on their software where they come in and they they weigh every bottle uh, of open liquor. They inventory every bottle of, of beer, uh, every every bottle of liquor uh, and wine, every full bottle, and every and they weigh all the open bottles. And so they do. So through the process of weighing, of basically scientifically weighing these bottles on a scale to within a hundredth of an ounce of what's in the bottle, and then comparing all the information. They enter your, your drink recipes into their software for every drink you serve and through your batches, and, and they weigh the, you know, so they weigh your kegs, everything mm -hmm. that's open. And now they know what the actual product mix is that you're selling. And so this is how inventory control is really done. So and, um, in your opinion, so obviously this comes at a price, um, and you'll probably, I'm sure you'll uh, get your money back, but mm -hmm. how much money would you say you're getting back after you know you can't give us maybe a percentage because um, you know obviously to get a system like this you need to pay for it um, but do you still think you're coming out on top of the decent margin after paying for a service like that oh without question because the, the, the cost of the service is fairly nominal mm -hmm. it runs about on an average of 200 hours a week and even if you're talking about a bar that's selling 5,000 a week which is a small volume bar a small volume bar is losing a thousand dollars a week. Mm -hmm. Without question, they're losing yeah. it. So you definitely so make your money back. 
So for 200 hours a week, they're saving 800, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so yeah. yeah. You, you, and if it's, if it's twice that, then they're saving even more. You see where I'm going with that? So, yeah, yep. yeah. it's a nominally priced service, and it's really pretty invaluable. They have other arrangements they can offer. But, uh, yeah, yeah that, it allows everybody to sort of isolate where their, where their money is actually going when it's, when it's being poured, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and then they'll know they can isolate whether or not the money is, if, it's being, if the sales aren't being properly run, or if they're being overpoured or whatever, you know. Absolutely. Well, uh, you've dropped some invaluable advice and knowledge on us today, and um, we've covered the five factors again, which are the wow factor, uh, ergonomic factor, production factor, operations factor, and inventory factor. And um, if there is any question you have about any of these or more, uh, if you'd like to get a more detailed um you know, explanation of what you can do at your bar. Uh, how can we connect with you for uh, more information? Well, we have a, uh, a website called cabaretdesigners.com, and that's spelled C-A-B as in boy, A-R-E-T, designers with an S, dot com. Uh, the, uh, also, I'm on Twitter, and my handle is uh, called at Rick of Clubs. So, uh, that would that's R E C K O F C L U B S. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys connect with this gentleman. He uh, is full of knowledge, and he can really help you guys out and uh, maybe point you in the right direction. Um, one other thing I do on every show is I provide my guests with an opportunity to call somebody else out in the industry. Who is one person in this industry that you really admire um, and would make you think would make a great contribution to the show? Well, I would say Bevanco without question. Uh, I've become very good friends with uh, with those people, and I think that uh, they offer a service that's just uh, beyond uh, value uh, to anybody anywhere. And uh, I have connections with people uh, uh, in the organization, and I'm sure uh, you know they'd love to speak with you. No, thank you very much. And part of the reason why I do this show is to kind of cut through the, the bullshit because there's so many people that offer products and services out there. And as restaurant owners and managers, we're so busy working in our restaurants and on our restaurants, we really don't have the time to filter through it all. So it's great to have somebody like you who is uh, in the business and is giving a completely objective uh, review on what's what's out there and what works well and what's worth your time and investment. So thank you uh, sure. for offering stuff up, uh, information like that. And, um, Thank you so much, and uh, I look forward to all future connections with you. Uh, Best of luck, and uh, cheers. Thank you. So that was a pretty awesome episode. Uh, Rick was just filled with information and knowledge, and I'm sure he has so much knowledge to share with us, but we only deal with about a 45-minute to a half-hour show, uh, so I couldn't get it all in there. But he left his information if you guys want to reach out to him. Uh, I'm sure he provides great services uh, that could really help benefit you and your your bars uh, or restaurants. So uh, what I took away from this this episode uh, really stood out to me is something I never really thought about before is the ergonomic uh, thoughts that have to go into uh, building a bar. I mean, it's so important that uh, our employees stay uh, happy and uh, healthy, uh, especially you know working those long shifts at the end of the night. Uh, when you know it's the most critical point of the night where we the, the crazy things are happening, we need to stay sharp. So if we have an environment that uh, works with us, not against us, and if we're able to uh, get more work done throughout the night with uh, as little amount of uh, you know 
exerted uh, effort or uh, work, then the end of the night is just going to be that much easier. Everyone's going to be that much happier. And uh, when our staff is happy, our customers are happy. Uh, so that's just really important. Uh, one of the biggest takeaways I had from this episode. And um, the other thing that really stood out to me was uh, the whole concept of, you know, with our uh, POS systems in inventory, we know how much we're, we're selling, uh, but we don't know how much we lost. And uh, he, he gives us the, the numbers in the episode, but what it works out to is almost... Uh, I think it was right around four times your investment you get on the return. So, I mean, those are just staggering numbers. And, I mean, it's such an easy little thing to do is just, you know, make the phone call and reach out to these services that are out there and uh, find out how we can, you know, maximize those margins at our bar. Um, So, with that said, we're rolling up to about uh, 36 minutes now. So, I'll let you guys go. It was a great episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And um, I guess I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace out.